another local peasant has been found dead, drained of his blood with two teeth marks on his throat. We think we're dealing with a supernatural being, most likely a mummy. Vampires. You might know them as a badass hero from an action movie, a brooding, glamorous romantic interest in some of the most popular romance novels from the 21st century, or the puppet that taught us how to count. Ah, greetings! <laughs> yes! Welcome to my castle. And while pop culture might take some creative liberties when it comes to producing their version of the villain, you might be surprised how mild these movies, books and TV shows are compared to the real story. So leave everything you thought you knew about vampires at the door and let's learn about how bizarre human culture can be. Good morrow, cousin, and welcome back to Learning Tinks. Last week, I was racking my brains as to what topic I wanted to do. So while I was racking my brain for some inspiration, I thought it wouldn't hurt to download a game on Steam and subsequently ended up sinking 35 hours into this game within about four days of owning it. That should just about sum up how productive I was this week. Um, but the game was called Father's Frontier and it was just basically this like medieval town builder kind of like a mix of Age of Empires and City Skylines. But I enjoyed the game if the 35 hours gameplay in a few days didn't tell you that. But because it was medieval, it did kind of get me thinking randomly about vampires. Because I was thinking about disease in the game and then subsequently started thinking about vampires. And then all of a sudden, here we are with today's topic in hand. But to be perfectly clear, I wasn't 100% sure that I was going to do vampires this week because I was like I don't know if that's a big enough topic like if that isn't just like here's what a vampire is it's a myth case closed but when I started researching them it turns out we're fucking idiots and it's so funny the way us as human beings have devised a way to not only come up with the idea of a vampire but then subsequently deal with said vampires and preventative measures to ward off vampires is just so funny. So come along on this journey with me because it's so stupid that I love it. Peter, wh where are you? What's going on? In order to understand the bat, we must first understand the vampire. So I watched Interview with the Vampire. Cast your gaze upon Lestat. Peter, you're not a vampire. Oh? Then why am I clad in velvet pants tucked into soft leather boots? The definition of a vampire is pretty simple. It's just a creature that derives its strength and power and sustenance from the vital essences of a human being or other animal. And oftentimes this is linked to blood, but some cultures will say that they just suck the life soul out of a person. Now, the notion of vampirism has existed for millennia. The Mesopotamians... Hebrews, ancient Greeks, Manipuri, and Romans all had tales of demons or spirits that basically took the form of a vampire as we know it today. They didn't use the word vampire, though. That's more of a modern term. But almost every culture has their own mythology toward a vampire-like creature, depending on what they called it in different cultures. And they all associate drinking blood with that of a demon or something from hell. It gets religious here and there, but... That's us. That's just us humans, isn't it? Persians were thought of as one of the first cultures to kind of have vampirism in their culture because they've excavated pottery shards with artwork on it that depicts like a vampire 
sucking the blood from a man. So Hebrew demonology tells of Lilitu, a demon who was often depicted surviving from the blood of babies. They used the word estries for vampires, which was basically a female shape-shifting demon who was said to roam at night seeking their victims. In the Hebrew text Sefer Hasidim, it refers to estries as creatures that were created in the twilight hours before God rested. So a little bit spooky there. And, a, and religious again. Old Norse cultures have the draugr, D-R-A-U-G-R. Do with that what you will. I probably got that pronunciation wrong and wouldn't be the first time. Certainly won't be the last. That was their version of the vampire. In West Africa, the Ashanti people tell of the Iron Toothed who takes the form of a firefly and attacks little children, which sounds like a good old-fashioned mosquito to me, babe. And this is kind of what I mean when I said earlier that, like, every example just gets more unhinged than the one before. The Betsilio people of Madagascar speak of the Ramanga, Ramanga, an outlaw or living vampire who drinks the blood and eats the toenail clippings of nobles. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking real, bro. In Greco-Roman mythology, Impusa was described as a demonic bronze-footed creature. She feasted on blood by transforming into a young woman and seducing men while they slept before she drank their blood. While they slept is an interesting one there. Like, what do you mean while they slept? She's just creeping on in, just being like, hey, you having a good dream, babe? I bet you're having a good dream. I'd like to be in the dream with you. Like, what was she doing? Teach me, babe. Over in Asia, their vampire myths have two things in common. Firstly, it always seems to take the form of a very attractive woman, sometimes an older woman. Secondly, they like to attack pregnant women. Not sure why. You'd have to ask them. In Indonesia, the Kantilanak, I said Kantilanak, was a woman who died in childbirth and allegedly came back from the dead to wreak havoc and get revenge. She had long black hair and attacked children, but the long black hair was apparently covering a hole in the back of her neck, which is where she would drink the blood of the children. I don't know about the logistics. I don't care. Moving on. Apparently, the only way to stop her was to take her long black hair and shove it into the hole. And then in Vietnam, a Confucius scholar wrote about a creature that would live amongst humans, but at night it would shove its toes up its nostrils, fly by its ears, and attack pregnant women. (laughs) What the fuck, bro? What is... That's not real. Come on, guys. How were you ever... What? Many of the original myths to do with vampires kind of originated in the medieval period. There were 12th history British historians that wrote about vampires and published these records. And then a Greek Vatican librarian produced the very first methodological... Methodological. Methodological. Fucking hate that word. I've got beef with that word. Description of the vampires according to the Balkans. And this description went on to what would basically form the basis of a vampire for Germany and England as this writing would go overseas. So the vampires really started to take hold in the 18th century. There was a frenzy of vampire sightings in Eastern Europe and so many people were just digging up graves to kill the vampires, which we'll get to in a second. But it's just so fucking funny because it was seen as this like era was named the Age of Enlightenment when like lots of folklore was just basically being put to bed. 
And yet they were just so fucking obsessed with vampires. They were like, they're going to get you. So what was this hysteria about? Like, why did these people think that there were vampires roaming amongst their communities? Firstly, every culture had their own way of working out if someone was a vampire or not. Every culture had their own suspicions and they're all a little bit different. For example, in Slavic and Chinese cultures, they believed that if a cat or a dog jumped over a corpse, then that person would be at risk of becoming a vampire. Some believed that babies who were born with teeth or born on Christmas were predisposed to becoming a vampire. And the other thing you've got to get into your head, um, just on like the history, the folkloric vampires as they're referred to, they did not look anything like what we see vampires now in, in like pop culture. They described vampires as having this like bloated, ruddy complexion, which is ruddy is a funny word. It basically just means like a healthy complexion, like the blood's rushing to the skin. So they were like notably a very different looking creature than what we see them as today or like kind of depict them as. But anyway, so let's say you're walking through like a cemetery in Old England and it's a balmy eight degree day. And you hear like chewing sounds or tapping sounds from below the grave. And you're like, hold on, that's a bit spooky. I dare say there might be something in there. So we'll dig that grave up and what do you know? That corpse is looking healthy. It's red in the face, the hair and nails look like they're growing, it's got blood around its mouth. That is a fucking vampire. So they might stake it through the heart or decapitate it or whatever. Case closed. Dead vampire. This was becoming so prominent that eventually they developed rituals in order to help them better identify whether or not there was indeed Damon and or Stefan Salvatore within a grave. So one method involved leading a virgin boy on the back of a virgin stallion. Now this stallion had to be black, but if you were in Albania, it should be white. Allegedly, when the horse came across a suspicious grave that may contain a vampire, uh, it would react like the beagle that found the boogie board bag of Chappelle Corby and go crazy, and they would be like, okay, cool, this grave has a vampire in it. They also thought that if there were holes forming in the ground above a grave, then that was a sign of vampirism. Worth noting, I guess. Vampires also made their presence known by, and I fucking love this sentence, engaging in minor poltergeist-style activity, which is what I aspire to do daily, basically. Um, they'd just, apparently they'd have stones thrown at their houses or on their roofs or whatever, or like someone would feel like they're being pressed on while they were sleeping at night or like move objects were moving in their house, you know, minor poltergeist behavior, as, as it was said. It's a good sentence. Another common sign that a vampire was in the midst was if someone in a household had died and then like weeks later or within like a month or so, the rest of the household would die. So they assumed that this person would be buried and then they would rise from the dead and come to get revenge and they would most often get revenge on their family first. So there's that. All right, everyone. Today's video is going to be about how to hunt and kill a vampire. So they've got their vampire. Now what? How do they dispose of it? I'm actually quite knowledgeable on this topic. Um, if it's in twilight, then it has to be burnt. Just, you know, uh, sometimes they'll rip off the head for good measure as well. If it's vampire diaries, it absolutely must be stoked through the heart with a wooden stake. However, if it is an original vampire, it must be 
the wood from the white oak tree, or the steak must be dipped in the ash from the white oak tree. So there you have it. And staking is actually pretty accurate in terms of history. Um, (laughs) This is a real thing. Like, we actually fucking did this. It was the most commonly cited method pretty much across the board. Ash was the preferred wood in Russia. Aspen was also used as they believed that Christ's cross was made from aspen wood. They'd also put aspen branches on the graves of a presumed vampire to prevent them from rising at night. Sorry, I'm trying to take this seriously, but like this is what I mean when I said like I I wasn't totally sold on this topic until I started looking it up and it just gets more and more unhinged. Like you'd think the fucking vampire movies are crazy. They got it from history, bro. We are weird. They'd be staked most often through the heart, but Germany and Russia like to get them through the mouth and Serbia like to get them through the stomach. The reason they staked the body was they thought it helped deflate the bloated vampire corpse. And you can kind of see where this is going in terms of the bloating, but who cares? They were vampires. Germany and Western Slavic areas preferred to decapitate the head and then when they buried the body, they'd put the head like in between the knees or under the corpse's ass, for lack of a better word, to prevent it from like coming back together. They also thought it helped uh, hasten the departure of the soul. Do with that what you will. Romani people thought that steel could like help with the situation. So they'd put little bits of steel like in the eyes and the mouth and the nose and like every crevice they could find. And in Venice, they would put a brick in their mouth. The reason we know this is because they have excavated thousands of bodies over the years in all of these different regions that they link back to the local lore and other things they found out about these old people. And they keep finding like hundreds of fucking corpses with bricks in their mouth. It's just hysterical. In Romania, they might put a piece of garlic in the corpse's mouth, and as recent as the 19th century, they would shoot a bullet through the coffin, just to be sure, I guess. Germans like to put lemon in the mouth of the corpse. I have no idea why. So there are two infamous vampire cases that were actually the first to be officially recorded. The first one is Peter Blagojevich. Peter Blagojevich. Peter Blagojevich, your flight is boarding. Please head to gate seven as soon as you can. Peter died at 62 and he was buried, but allegedly he returned the next day to ask his son for food. And his son was like, Papa, you are dead. So he didn't give him any food. But then the next day, the son was dead. He was found killed. Peter apparently returned and attacked some neighbors who were found dead due to a loss of blood. And then Milos Chekar, also from Serbia. Milos, I'm certain it's Milos. But then the Chekar, it could be Sechar or Cheshar. I have no idea. Serbians are very creative with their pronunciations, and I, I say that with nothing but love. But he was allegedly attacked by a vampire years before. And every fucking source I look at, no one tells me like anything a little about that. Apparently, this is just like common knowledge, get over it, Milos had been attacked by a vampire. But he died while he was farming. And this wasn't because he was attacked by a vampire. He was attacked by a vampire previously. But after he died, multiple people in his community also started dying. So they were like, 
must have been Milos, that cheeky fucking Milos, a vampire all along. Now, these two cases were widely distributed. Government officials even got involved and they examined the bodies and wrote reports on them and then published these reports in books that went all around Europe. And people were just like literally just digging graves up from family members to stake them in the heart and then like reburied them or like fucking decapitate. Like it's just, can you imagine? But Empress Maria Theresa, two first names, what the fuck is up with that? She was a leader in Austria and she sent her personal doctor out to investigate these claims and the doctor came back and was like, it's not real. Vampires are not real. So she ended up passing laws that would prevent people from being allowed to actually dig up graves and fuck with the bodies anymore. And those laws ended up being followed suit by other countries in Europe. And to that I say probably for the best. I admire Maria for her ingenuity here to pass that law, and I applaud her for her efforts. As for preventing vampires from taking a sip out of you and or your loved ones, there were plenty of methods that they used. Garlic is a common one, as I'm sure we're all aware. It originated in Romania, and I actually only found this out now as to like why they used garlic. It was because they thought vampirism was this like really heavy disease, and the use of a very strong medicinal plant or antibiotic or something would help either cure it or at the very least ward off vampires. So that's why they used garlic. We know that garlic is like one of the great cures for a cold. So yeah, that makes sense. And I actually thought that was fascinating. In Europe, they would throw mustard seeds on the roof. And a lot of cultures believed that vampires weren't able to walk on consecrated grounds like a church or something. Uh, nor were they able to cross running water. And I'd love, love to hear where that one came from. Mirrors are used to ward off vampires because they are said to not be able to cast a reflection nor shadow because they don't have a soul. And if you happen to have a known dead vampire in your family and you were in Russia or Poland, they would take blood from the vampire and make bread with it. And you would eat it and it would help to ward off vampires and prevent you from becoming one as well. They also believed that eating the dirt from the grave was a good preventative measure. So on the mustard seeds, this is hysterical. So the reason they would put mustard seeds on their roof or like sprinkled around their house, some people in other cultures also just put like pennies or coins or grains of rice outside their front door. They believed that vampires had a compulsion to count small objects in front of them. (sighs) Oh my God, it's just too good. So they would sprinkle like coins or a seed of some sort outside their front door because they were like, this will get the vampires because apparently they'd just stand there and they'd have to count every individual fucking grain (laughs) and the people inside the house would have time to escape. So it just really gives a whole new meaning to the name Count Dracula. One, two. You know that I am called the Count because I really love to count. So what was going on? Like, why were they digging up these corpses, and and why were these corpses looking so healthy? 
as opposed to what the bodies looked like when they died. And like, what for them was going on to make them think this? So remembering earlier, the situation I put you in about walking through an old cemetery on an eight degree day in balmy old England, and you hear scratching or tapping or chewing noises. The reason for this is there's a chance that person wasn't actually dead. Remembering the level of understanding they had back then in terms of medicine, health, death as a concept, they had a big issue with premature burials, put simply. So if you had a big night at the pub, belly full of meat, you pass out on the street and when you wake up, you find you are buried in a coffin six feet under with a whole new meaning to the word anxiety. That was one of the reasons why people were buried alive. They just passed out from drinking too much and people thought they were dead. Another was a coma. Like, they had no idea what a coma was back then. Or even a concussion, like you'd passed out from hitting your head. Unlucky, must be dead. So these people might wake up sometime later and like our drunk mate from before, they might start tapping the, the coffin. They might start trying to get out. They might scratch it. They might just bash their head against it, trying to get out in frustration and cause themselves a nosebleed that would then seep into their mouth and make them look like they had just fed because they were vampires. They got so antsy about preventing vampirism that they would end up staking people before they even buried them in the first place. So if you were just drunk and they thought you were dead, you were about to be one way or another. <laughs> And as for the tales of family members that would die and then come back and just murder their families within weeks of dying, babe, that's just disease, isn't it? This was a time of tuberculosis. They called it back then consumption because it literally just consumed the body bit by bit. But they didn't always know that it was consumption or tuberculosis. Like, they just fucking assumed it was a vampire. And I guess, sure. But like, you know, the idea that someone in your household would die and then come back and attack family first and then go on to the community. It was literally just the disease spreading. But that's where they just, it just solidified their understanding of vampires because they saw vampires as creatures that would come back and attack their family first and community second, when really it's just how disease spreads. And tuberculosis is no laughing matter. It makes you really fucking sick. And this is in a time without any of the vitamins we have today or medicine, um, let alone just like a balanced diet and getting everything you need, like B3, for example, in your diet from what you ate. Like they had carrot, singular, if they were lucky, in June. I don't know. So when they were buried as like a pale, sickly human who had died from like tuberculosis or something, and then for whatever reason they were suspected of being a vampire, I don't know, their family had died or whatever, and their grave had been dug up, and they were all of a sudden looking like healthier than they were when they were alive, like they had looked like they had more meat on their bones, they were looking plump, they had flushed cheeks, they'd be like, good grief, this is a vampire. And this is probably, you know, partly because they just didn't understand how decomposition worked. And while they might have an understanding of like how one way someone might decompose, they might just label that as this is the only way a body decomposes, not realizing that decomposition changes, like the timeline is different depending on how you die, where you die, and the temperature and soil that you're buried in. Like, there's so many different factors that you can't blame them for not knowing about. 
but it just makes it easy to understand why they thought people were vampires when they were just decomposing. So it's kind of natural that they had no idea what the fuck was going on. So corpses in decomposition, they swell. Uh, This is because all the gases are kind of moving up toward the torso and the increased pressure forces whatever blood is left in the body upward. Hence, when it goes into your face, makes your cheeks look nice and flushed, you might even get a nosebleed or blood coming out of your ears or mouth because the blood is trying to escape and get out to make way for the pressure of these gases. As for the nails and hair looking like they're growing, it's because when the skin loses moisture during decomposition, the skin will contract and it'll therefore make things like hair, nails, even teeth look more pronounced so it'll give off the illusion that it's growing. There was also a rare blood disorder going around. Um, it, I mean, it still exists today, but I mean, like specifically back then, it was called porphyria. And it basically meant you couldn't like convert hemoglobin in your blood properly. I'm not going to get technical. But one of the earlier treatments that they had for it was to actually get heme, H-A-E-M, like hemoglobin. It's a it's before it gets to hemoglobin. It's like a compartment of blood. They would inject it intravenously into your veins. And so they thought that like a symptom of this would be to crave blood. And so the people that were kind of like running around just like getting blood from fucking, I don't know, people, animals, they're probably just suffering from porphyria. And then rabies is another really good and fair assessment as to what might have been happening for some of these people. So someone might be accused of being a vampire if they were like sensitive to light or garlic Rabies just causes hypersensitivity. So, like, they might have just been freaking the fuck out when the sun was shining on them. It can also disturb your sleep pattern and, you know, therefore make you somewhat nocturnal. Legend once said that a man was not rabid if he could look at himself directly in his reflection. So that explains the mirrors. And it also causes you to, you know, potentially maybe want to take a little nibble from your neighbour. And it also causes bloody frothing at the mouth. Gross. (laughs) So I'd like to call this part, what the fuck are you guys doing? In the 1970s, press in London circulated rumours that there was a vampire that haunted the Highgate Cemetery in London. Several books were written about this time, and a local man named Sean Manchester claims that he had exercised and destroyed an entire nest of vampires in the area. So, go Sean. In 2002 and 2003 in Malawi, there were allegations of vampires in the area. And so these vampire hunting mobs just went on a fucking rampage. They stoned a person to death, attacked a bunch of others, including the governor, Eric Chuaya, based on rumours that the government was colluding with vampires. It happened again in 2017, and six people who were accused of being vampires were killed. It's not funny. I'm not laughing. People died. But, like, what the fuck are you doing? In 2004, in Romania, relatives of Toma Petre feared that he had become a vampire. So they dug up his corpse, tore out his heart, burned it, and then mixed the ashes in with water so that they could drink it. And there's a bunch of other cases I found about, like, you know, like vampire murders. But they were just cases of psychopaths just getting creative, which I suppose is allowed. It's just I wouldn't encourage it when people are getting hurt. That's just my personal opinion. You're impossibly fast. 
and strong. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. I know what you are. Say it out loud. Vampire. So from Buffy to Edward to Damon to Brad Pitt. Vampire-related movies in the box office have amassed over $5.5 billion in revenue, which is so crazy. In the 20th and 21st century, vampires were kind of taking on like a different turn. Novelists would start writing them as like romantic, misunderstood, brooding beings, which is kind of what we've taken them through in pop culture since then. And that, that you know, that kind of started in like gothic novels and whatnot in, in Europe. It, I don't understand how they went from being this, like, bloody, bloated corpse to, like, the prettiest things on the planet. And now we all want to be one. Well, I speak for myself when I say that. Um, it works very well, though. I think the romantic change worked in their favour. Because I still have recurring dreams of Edward Cullen courting me. I suppose I'm a bit old for him now, though. I will now talk to you about my favourite vampire-themed pieces of content. I think Vampire Diaries actually does a pretty good job because they did base it somewhat off a book, but apparently they didn't use anything from the book apart from, like, the characters' names. But when I say I think they did it well, it's because they, like, spun off the book and it's in the same, like, genre as, like, a Pretty Little Liars kind of thing. Like, it's just an ongoing TV series that they keep making storylines for except where Pretty Little Liars lost its integrity basically within the first season, Vampire Diaries kept their lore going in a way that made sense. So props to them for that. Special mention goes to Vampire Academy. I read the book series when I was a tween, um, and I, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. The movie, not so much, not very good. But they have this idea of, um, <laughs> they call it a blood whore, and it's when you let someone drink blood from you during intercourse. Um, and I just love the idea of, like, the sexualization of that. It's just so silly. Why was I allowed to... Why was that a novel that tweens were allowed to read? That's so naughty. Um, and their lore was kind of, like, based in Romanian folklore. From what I've, like, researched now, I, like, link a lot of that. They called, like some of their vampires were called like Strigoi and stuff, which is a word they directly took from Romanians. Anyway, my favourite vampire is Damon Salvatore um, because he's quite sexy, but also wounded. And I don't know why, but we as women tend to like that in a man. Carlisle Cullen. Carlisle Cullen. Um, what a guy. What a guy. Aro of the Volturi. Love him. So slay, slay, Aro. Love you. And Jane is fucking weird. Um, she's just a really uninteresting psychopath, in my opinion. She doesn't do it for me. But yeah, as for, like, why we as humans feel so fascinated by vampires and kind of, like, still, there's a lot of people that still think they're, like, actually real. Um, kind of me as well. I'd love it if they were real. But uh, sci scientists say it's because of the kind of intrigue of immortality and getting rid of all the, like, pesky human weaknesses and things like that. Um, I think the immortality thing is an interesting one. It'll divide people down the middle a bit. Personally, I would love to be immortal. And that's because the idea of not having to sleep or die is so convenient. I would have so much time to learn things. There'd be two episodes a week. 
But no, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe you don't know what I mean. But I'd like to be a model. I think it'd be cool. I have so many things I want to do and learn and see, and that'd be hectic. But only if I get to be one of the hot pop culture vampires. I just think that topic is just so wild. Like, we give vampire movies a lot of shit in terms of the stuff they get away with, but it turns out a lot of it is not nearly as unhinged as what we as humanity did to people thinking they were fucking vampires. <laughs> oh. Anyway, but yeah, that is today's episode of Learning Tings. I hope you enjoyed. If you're on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe. And if you're on audio, please give this episode a podcast review on your app of choice. It would be much appreciated. Other than that, I will see you guys next week. And please let me know what your thoughts on this whole fucking vampire shit is, because it is so funny to me. But it's been lovely to have your company, and I will see you guys next time. Adios!